what up? Uh, you don't hear the other what up because I didn't. Well, let's just say Lakers won and Aiden is a little bit. Let's say sore loser in a polite way. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about the game that just finished. Clips versus Nuggets. Okay. Nuggets are for real. The best... Okay, so going to the series, you would assume, you would expect the two best players would be Kawhi and Paul George. The first handful of games, they were. The last two... By far, the best two players were Jokic and Murray. They dominated when both games, halftime, they're down by 16. Third quarter, they made a push. Fourth quarter, they sealed it. So does that say that the Clips can't finish? Or there's some sort of voodoo on them where they just can't get past the semis? They just, they've struggled. They, I mean, previous teams that had solid squads with, you know, Chris Paul and Blake and DeAndre and, um, and they just couldn't get past it. There was something that just held them back. And right now, it's Murray. Murray is, is look, I've never, <laughs> I've never really been a fan of Murray. Murray's been a guy that I, uh, uh, the way he, the way when they play the Lakers, the way he comes off is kind of childish towards end games. He's petty, um, and he's still those things, but boy can fucking dominate a game and a series. He's he's the best player on the court when they play, especially second half. He's he's not only scoring, he's setting up, he's facilitating facilitating. Um he's making the Clippers struggle to guard him, whereas you would think it would be the other way around. You would think Kawhi would have a field day because they, there's nobody for the Clip Nuggets that have that they can guard him. Grant's doing a good job, but Kawhi isn't doing everything. He's not all over the court. You know, they, the Clips go on the system that they have the sixth man and the seventh man that they were nominated for. You know, sixth man of the year and. They play as a team, and they play, you know, r- tough and rugged and uh, kind of like street ball. They don't look like they're playing that at all. They look like the Nuggets. I, I, at least, you know what? <laughs> when the game matters, the second half doesn't feel like the Clippers have anything going. But it's only Game 7 will change everything. Obviously, Game 7 is the uh, what the theory is. Uh, the longer the series goes, the better team wins. So you would assume if the Clips were the second best team in the West, they uh, they should be the Nuggets. But throughout the season, everybody acknowledged that the Nuggets were a tough, tough, tough challenge because they had a little bit of everything. So we'll see. Game 7 is going to be huge. Um. Uh, oh, and another thing about the Nuggets, this will be the fourth straight seventh game series they've had. They had two in the previous playoffs where they lost, and then to, to the Spurs, I think it was last year. And um, 
This year they had the first seven games against Utah and then now game seven against the Clips. So it's going to be a really good game on Tuesday. Looking very much forward to it. Kind of disappointed that there's no basketball tomorrow, but that's okay. Um, that's, you know, it's, we're getting, we're winding down to the last couple of teams. So we're going to go with that. But next up, we will uh, move on to the other series. Let's go to Toronto versus Boston that ended last night. And the thing I'm going to say about that is Boston, Boston is very well coached. Very, very well coached. They, you know, their coach should have been in, in considerations for coach of the year. Um, but the thing that I, I think it's really interesting to see is how Lowry's, um, perception has changed you know about two years ago where DeMar DeRozan was on their team and the bet their best friends and Lowry just kind of you know didn't show up in the playoff games you know he was known as kind of like a choke he just choked in when big games mattered um but it's interesting to see last playoffs and you know he was an okay player he didn't carry the team but he was a little bit more consistent and maybe it was because Kawhi was there uh, maybe he was because he was third fiddle behind uh, Pascal Siakam but um, this playoffs he's become the hero and not much has changed he's made some crazy amazing shots but um, I think it's once you I, I, I look this goes I, I don't know obviously because none of us have really played at that elite level but i think it's the perception that once you kind of win and you understand what it takes to win maybe the monkeys off your shoulders maybe you it's a mental thing it's it's the idea of hey you know what it's not as hard as i, I assumed it is it's you know what just be just play in your and within your limits play play solid play well and that's what he does and Maybe that's why he's making clutch shots. Um, that series probably should have ended earlier than it did. Um, some crazy shots by Toronto kept them in the series. Boston was clearly the better team, but Toronto had that, um, as Reed Tomjanovich said, uh, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And that was, that was Toronto. That was Toronto through and through and through in the series, in the series and in the playoffs. So, and actually, throughout the entire playoff uh, regular season as well. Um, so, congrats to Boston. I think that's going to be a crazy great series against the Heat, um, which beat the Bucks um, and beat them. Just what I mean, you know, uh, Giannis didn't play the last game, but. That game really didn't, whether he played or not, it actually wasn't relevant because they were just putting a stomping on him. They had him under control. They basically, you know, um, there, was, uh, there was some podcast I listened to and um, the, uh, the GM of uh, Houston, Maury, was interviewed and he said that the regular season... And the playoffs are two different things. You know, uh, the idea that, um, like, for example, 
Kawhi isn't going to play in a back-to-back in a regular season game because he doesn't need to. They come in the day before, Kawhi, you got to guard this guy, you're done, go for it, blah, 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 whatever. But in a playoff, you know the player's first move, and you know it, so you force him to his second move. And the last three playoff series against good teams, Giannis hasn't been able to go to his first move because he's arguably the best player to get to the rim. But if you build a wall, he can't consistently make a 17-footer. Beyond that, he's horrific. But he can't make an outside jump shot because he doesn't, in the regular season, in 70-some games, 80-some games that he plays, he doesn't need to. He can score 25 points. He can score 10 baskets within 8 feet of the rim. And usually when he extends his arms, it's within two feet of the rim. So with his go-go gadget arms. Um, So he doesn't have to. But when you get into the playoffs and you get into tough teams, good, solid, playoff, championship caliber teams, they know, build a wall, let him shoot. And if he passes, that's okay. Let the other guys beat you. And he doesn't have, look, Middleton is a very good player. Middleton maybe could be a great second player to a Kawhi, a LeBron, uh, a Steph, uh, uh, you know, a, a player that not only can create inside and out, but can create plays for other players and other, t- uh, you know, teammates. Giannis, he's young. He's 25. Look, you most champions... Most elite players don't win a championship till they hit their you know peak, and usually what in the NBA it's 26, 27, 28. He's 25. He's still look. We can't knock him for improving every year, but he hasn't improved on his shot in the last three years. If that's your where you're vulnerable, you know you got to be in the gym. You know, you're getting paid big bucks. You're getting paid huge money to do this. And um, you need to improve year by year. You know, whether it's being consistent 15 feet in the next year, 16 feet in the next year, 17 feet. He just hasn't done that. And, um, you know, the the rumor mill is already going with whether he'll resign and he won't resign. Um, but... I guess he unfollowed the Bucks recently on Twitter, and so the you know now everything starts up. Is is he gonna leave? Is he gonna ask for a trade? Um, and within I guess the bubble, the rumors are that he's either looking at Toronto or Miami. And in Toronto, he's got a relationship with a GM, uh, and in Miami, I think it's just uh, they're basically set up for him. They have, I think they have a good amount of money. They can, you know, trade players and uh, and get rid of players. And, you know, they have the cap to get to what Giannis needs. Um, and if they do a signing trade, even better. Because I think Miami has good assets to trade. And so does Toronto. Um, but selfishly, I'm hoping he opts out, doesn't ask for a trade this year. And Lakers get him and you go, Giannis A.D. LeBron in the front court. That's your three, four, five, motherfuckers. That's how you roll. But, 
you know, that's just that's just me wishing, wishing, wishing. Um, and then, so, but no, but the Miami Heat, so we're going to the Bucks, but Miami versus Boston is going to be a very good series. And the one thing that's interesting is I think Miami, when they were watching, wanted Toronto to win because during the regular season, Miami had a tough time against Boston because Boston has so many good guard play. And Miami really only has Jimmy to lock down. The rest of those guys are good, you know, uh, uh, but they're not going to hold down all three. They're not going to hold down Tatum, Brown, uh, and Kemba. So I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be, if not a six, a seven game series. And now, the most important thing, the reason I didn't chose not to come on today, Lakers fucking beat the shit out of the Houston Rockets. And that team's going to get blown to pieces already today. Within a day of Lakers beating them, Mike D'Antoni came out and, and wrote a very polite and very uh, respectable um, note to not only, I mean, obviously he told Houston Rocket owners and the GM, but you know, made a, uh, uh, a note to the, you know, Woj and uh, Sham and all those guys. And he was respectful. And and I think he already knows he's got a job somewhere else. He knows that um, I think a good, good team for him would be the Pelicans. They're young. They run up and down the court. Uh, Gentry was basically his assistant I just don't think he ran it the way that D'Antoni would and I think that's a perfect setup for him he's got the point guard that looks pass first and Lonzo or you could throw the ball give the ball to Ingram and run a 6-10 version of uh, of uh, Nash and then you you have the Amari style Zion who can just fucking jump out of the gym just like Amari did at one point. And, you know, he's young. He, he'll develop that mid-range and he'll develop the uh, step back, you know, the three-point shot. But he's got – and I think D'Antoni, you know, in Houston they've developed a three-point game. But it was based on the players he had and the – the you know, at the end of the day, the coach can only coach with the players he has. And so I think – um, the Pelicans was the perfect setup for him to go there. Um, but the Lakers dominated that series. And, you know, coming into it, everyone was like, oh, they're going to go small ball and they're not good. Lakers aren't going to be able to match up. Well, you know, uh, Vogel, Frank Vogel, last two games, you know, was like, was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need a center. My center is 6, 10, 6, 11, and plays like a point guard in Anthony Davis. And you know what? Do what the fuck you want. We're going to beat you inside and out. And they came out both games. After game four, the first three minutes of the game, you could tell Harden was out. He already packed his bags. He probably shipped them home. All he had was his just sweats. He was going to shower after the game, wear the sweats, wake up next morning, do his you know pre-workout, Whatever, and then play game six or game five, and he was he was gone. Like he probably had his 
uh, Jet ready right after the game to zip the fuck out because he was not in game four and he was out of game five. And, you know, just like we were saying about Lowry and how his, his perception changed within one season, the story of him changed. I don't know. Uh, Harden's Harden's story is getting worse and worse. He doesn't show up when the big game matters. You know, on a Tuesday night in the middle of January, when you drop fifty and you're at the free throw line twenty five times, and and you know you're getting a triple double, great. But when you're game five, game six, game seven of a Eastern or Western Conference or Western Semi or the first round and you take 12 shots and score 22 points like I don't know if I want that to be my guy I I don't you know there was a saying uh, I don't know if it was Reggie or there was somebody there was some coach back in the day that was like if if my star player goes in the first half, 0 for 7, and the end of the game, he's 1 for 8, I'm going to be pissed at him. Because this motherfucker's job is to score. It means that he mentally checked out. But if the first half, he's 0 for 7, and the second half, he's 1 for 20, he was still shooting because he understood he's the guy that's got to fucking score. And maybe it's not his night. But he's got to keep going because he's the reason the other team is double-teaming him. They're not going to not double-team him. And you know what? If he shoots one for 20 and they lose, cool. But he's got to be engaged. He's got to be in it. He's got to, be, he's got to understand that he's the, the, the leader. If he checks out, the rest of the team is fucking going to check out. So I don't know. I, I, Harden, that team's going to get blown up. So D'Antoni's gone. Um, I think Maury's going to be gone. I think the new owner, who's kind of a little crazy, um, I'd like to get him to do an interview with us, but he just his interviews are absolutely wild. Um, I think he's gone. Uh, Maury's gone. I think, um, depending on the GM that comes in and the path they choose, Westbrook, if they can get him, is gone, 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 um, and we'll, oh, I don't know what team would take him, I, I really don't, but, you know, uh, OKC got rid of him, so we'll see if another team can get, if Houston can get rid of him, and then, you know, um, beyond that, the more important things, were, oh, the, this is what I wanted to get into, this is the reason I don't like Westbrook, <laughs> I think you've all seen the video of him where the Lakers double team him because that's what they were doing at like, not consistently, but they would just sporadically double team him. And he had like a deflection went out of bounds or something like that. And he's yelling, yeah, you better double team me. Yeah, you better double team me. And it's like, homie, you're shooting one for 15 with six turnovers they're t- double-teaming you because they know you're going to get a fucking turnover. It's not because they better double-team you because you're you're that great of a scorer right now. They just know you're going to fucking turn the ball over. And then within the same motherfucking game, he gets into an argument with Rondo's brother who calls him trash. And, and this is the funniest thing. He, 
he talks trash to a dude sitting on the, you know, in the stands, quote unquote stands in the bubble, and and he gets Rondo's brother kicked out of a game where you're down by like eighteen with like three minutes left in the game, and that's that that's what's that's what's so infuriating about Westbrook. It's this is the thing that I don't like about Westbrook. His he plays with emotion. Look, a lot of players play with emotion, but it's not controlled emotion. It's spastic. Like you can tell his teammates are like, "Shut the fuck up!" You're do-. like, his. This is why he's not. I don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer. I know he's got. He's won an MVP. He shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. I don't think Harden should be an M- a Hall of Famer. Like, like they. God, Westbrook just infuriates me. And I, I can go into hours of arguing, you know, going to details of why he infuriates me. But he's just, um, he's just a difficult person, I think, on the court. <laughs> and um, another thing with Houston, um, their sixth man, Daniel House, was kicked out. Well, he didn't play in game four and didn't play in game five. And um, what happened was the NBA came out with basically he had a guest, un- an unauthorized guest, in his room for multiple hours, which brought myself, Aiden, and a couple of other friends in a group text discussing how long could you go without, let's say, relations, and not personal relations, not inner you know with another individual just nothing just you know you you stay clean and you stay uh let's say uh let's i'm not gonna throw you religious terms at you so let's just say like you stay um faithful to yourself and i said max max uh we said for a year for a million dollars how long could you go could you go a year i couldn't this dude basically couldn't go two months without female interaction when he could have made more and more money as he went into the playoffs and potentially won. You know, if you won championship, you won a lot of money. And he's young. He's, he's you know, hormones are going crazy. But dude, you're a professional athlete who is getting paid very well and gets treated in a resort lifestyle with a bunch of friends. Like, yeah, I couldn't go six months for a mill, but I could go two, three months without. And the fact that he couldn't go a month and a half and he got kicked out, he's donezo, Houston's donezo. Um, uh, it's, it's just interesting to see the dynamics of all that. Now... We'll move on to things that have already changed. So we said Houston and D'Antoni went their own way. OKC and Billy Donovan went their own separate ways. And Donovan and uh, the Thunder mutually agreed to go their separate ways. And that makes sense. Donovan doesn't, I don't think he wants to do a rebuild. And it's going to be a long rebuild with OKC because they have so many draft picks. So many players in uh, from trades that they have in the drafts. And more importantly, I think Chris Paul is going to go too. I think the rumors are that Milwaukee 
in order to make sure and try to keep Giannis would make that trade. And I think that makes sense for them. It gives Giannis less responsibility to have the ball. It moves him over off to, you know, being the guy that tip rebounds and cuts and gets the ball on the wing and drives to the basket. And there is a legit other player on that court beyond Middleton where you can't double team. And and uh, he's feisty. I don't necessarily like Chris Paul. It's the same way I don't like Westbrook's attitude on the court. But as a teammate, I want him more than I want Westbrook. Um, and I think they would just give a Bledsoe. And I think I, I feel like OKC okay, to get rid of him would give one draft pick and you take on Bledsoe and you take a you know a Lopez or or you know a couple other players in the bunch where they OKC okay, could just have as role players because they need players. They they they're they're gonna trade probably um uh, a couple other players. I I'm drawing blank on the other guy that I'm thinking of, but um I think it's gonna be OKC okay, is gonna be a completely different team. And as much as Aiden doesn't want to admit this, and I'm going to save it a little bit, but LeBron is slowly, slowly putting a stamp on being the greatest ever. And you can throw all the argument you want that Jordan went 6-0. Quote, Amazing. That's a feat that actually Russell outdid, right? But the difference between LeBron and Jordan, LeBron is setting records not in just scoring, not in just field goal percentage, not in just, you know, um, what, defensive player, like, he is across the board going to be top five in multiple categories. And you can say, yes, he's played the most. But no one said Jordan had to retire. No one said Jordan had to retire again. He chose. Those are decisions he made. So if he chose to end after 13 seasons, that's a decision he made. LeBron the way that he manages his body, the way that he manages his career and path and success is so much harder because now, and this is an argument that I don't think anybody can dis- disagree with. Look, 80s and early 90s were rougher basketball, right? They were tougher. They were, they were more rugged if you want to go. But they weren't as athletic. Your four and fives in general weren't the most athletic players. Right now, your fifth player is probably just as athletic as your three, if not your two. There is no four anymore. Like, I was thinking about this. In Laker history, besides Powell, which is technically in a lot of senses a center, there is no power forward that was great. If you want to go to Boston, Mikhail, that's it. There's very few great forwards, power forwards. You can go, you can go Carl Malone. You can go, obviously, in the 90s you can. But a lot of those players didn't win championships. Carl didn't. Duncan did. 
Um, who else is another power forward? That was great. Um, Garnett did, but Garnett didn't win it solo. He won it with potentially three other Hall of Famers. So I don't know if a four really was the most relevant position. And in the 80s and 90s, they were just kind of, if they made a 15-footer, you were excited. These motherfuckers that at power forward are fucking stretching and hitting threes. They're like, LeBron can play to four. And he's, if he retires as a power forward, he'll be the greatest ever. But he's probably going to retire as a three. And he's going to be the greatest ever at the three. Like, the, there's a huge difference between the, the athletic ability, the coordination, the fundamentals of 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, and now. There is basically no... I mean, they say there's no... It's positionless basketball, but there is positions very limited positions, you know, there is a center who stretches, and this is the other argument that, oh, there's so many things I want to get into, Jokic was considered by, I think it was um, Stan Van Gundy, as the best offensive center, so is Anthony Davis not a center, or is he a power forward, because he's the most athletic, most offensively elite center and or power forward whatever you put him in label you won't put him he's going to be the most elite so um i know people get stuck in the moment and want to give joke jokic his due and he deserves it because he's playing amazing against the clippers and against utah well utah he was up and down but against the clippers he's been very good in the last four games um but I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I wanted to throw out there because I know I didn't want to talk about the Lakers dominating fucking Houston. And I wasn't really going to get into it. And I still won't because Lakers just, they're Western Conference. Um, they're in the Western Conference Championship Series, which I proclaimed earlier. And I was like hesitant to even suggest that they would get there. So, because he's a fucking Laker hater. Um, but hopefully he'll be back. Um, with all jokes aside, he wasn't feeling well. He lives up north, and the smoke and the fires are really taking a toll. And we hope that everything's contained, um, and uh, uh, his voice—it's just—it's—it's it's tough out there. So we hope and we pray that um, everything gets resolved, everything gets under control. These fires um, get taken care of. And these the people that have gone through the ordeal that they've gone through, hopefully everything will, hopefully less and less lives will be taken because of these crazy uh, events that happened in 2020. So um, hopefully Aiden will be better. Hopefully Aiden will want to come back on because, you know, um, I want to get more into the Laker talk and we'll see what he says then. Um, thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. Let me know if you think Aiden bailed because he didn't want to hear about Lakers winning um, and how he's a sore loser and how I'm always right about my predictions. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Peace. And as Aiden would say, one love.